0: Last week I talked to you a little bit about, uh, I just felt to talk to you, it kind of goes along with the theme that I was on before uh, Pastor Joel took over, and um, still, you know, uh, my back is so good, wow, glory to God, many of you thought I was going to Uganda, but I did not go, uh, and I felt it better to stay uh, for the healing of my back. Uh, so that was good, and we were able to transfer everything, my airfare and everything, to another gentleman from our church who took my place for the construction of the clinic, and uh, Joel and the team, they're so excited about what's happened this past week. Uh, they told me some of the testimony, but they said, you can't share it. We have to share it next week, uh, so you have to, your lips are sealed. So there's some things we can't say uh, about how amazing it's been and uh, what happened. But what was on my heart was kind of in that theme of reigning in life out of Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, We were on that theme, that reigning in life theme for a while. And and I I, I don't know, I just feel like the Holy Spirit, uh, at least the word that he's dropped in my heart for the moment, uh, I know we'll move into new words and other words and additional words uh, but um, but the Holy Spirit was encouraging me to encourage you to hold fast your testimony, to hold fast your agreement with God. That the way that we speak, the way that we talk, does have a lot to do with our destiny, does have a lot to do with our future. In that we're not we're not independently, independently announcing or declaring. Uh, something that we are partners with God. That our positive speech, our 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 our, our speech of faith, uh, it's not it's not uh, anything to do with uh, an independent realm of having a positive attitude to create our own destiny. Because we are uh, so powerful in and of ourselves, our power is in God. Our power is in that we are knit to him, we are woven to him. Come on, remember, that's what communion is all about, common union. I am one with Jesus, one with God. He's even brought us into the Trinity. This is such a a powerful and amazing relationship that we have with him and uh, I felt to just keep encouraging you that regardless of what you're going through, keep going through. Regardless of what you're going through, keep going through. And, and I felt like the Lord's saying to me quite a bit this morning, coming into what I wanted to say, or I felt he wanted me to say, uh, wait for the Lord. Everybody say, wait for the Lord. Uh, I really, I really believe that part of what will test all of us in our faith, or in the word that we've heard, or the word from God, or the word of God, what will test all of us is delay, delay. Because delay opens up this whole atmosphere of uh, question: Did I hear right? Did I read right? Did I translate right? Did I interpret right? Is it God's will? Is it really? Is it God's will? It opens up this whole realm of question and and your your enemy is a master at the question. That he might that he might partner with this realm of doubt and unbelief. And I talked about that realm last week, the realm of doubt and unbelief. Unbelief is the most critical. It is the most powerful. It is the most, it it, it is the most, oh, I, I, I really believe that the majority, if not all sins are actually interrelated to unbelief. And and this was the approach of the enemy in the garden. The approach of the enemy in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden'?" You notice God had not said you can't eat from any tree of the garden. You'll notice that when the serpent spoke, he twisted the truth. When the serpent spoke, he twisted the truth, and he said it in such a way that it made her think, what did God say? Immediately there was a spin... The word pervert means to twist, to distort. There was a spin on God's word in such a way that immediately there was an impression that would cause confusion. God's word is true. God's word to you is true. God's prophetic word over you is true. God's word that he's spoken is true. God's word, the Son, is true. Is he not the word made flesh? God's word is true, and yet Satan will come with a suggestion, with a spin, a light spin... A lemon twist. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. Unbelief. 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 Unbelief is so powerful. It is such a root issue. Uh, this week, um, coming out of last week, because last week I said that, um, you know, God's Word, God's Word, God's Word. Everybody say God's Word. We are born again of God's Word. Now, we're not just born again of God's Word. That's First Peter chapter 1, 21 through 23. We are born again of God's Word, which is incorruptible seed. Everybody say incorruptible seed. We're born again of his word. We're born again of incorruptible seed. His word has the very DNA of his nature in it that when we soak it in, when we accept it, when we allow it to have place within us, it has the ability to recreate his nature within us. We are born again of his word. His word is so rich. His word is so good. His word is so powerful. We're born again of his word. He has sent his word into your heart. Isaiah 55, 11, and it won't return void. It's been sent into your heart on purpose that, might, that it might accomplish what it was sent to do. So his word, really, his word contains your destiny. So when the enemy comes along to steal your future, to steal your harvest, to steal your breakthrough, to steal your purpose, to steal God's will for you or God's ministry or God's call on your life or what it is God even has for you today, his approach is to steal the seed of God's word or to pervert, or to twist, or to distort, or to bring God's Word into question. Because God's Word is the seed. And when we allow the seed to have place within us, James chapter 1, 19 through 21, receive the ingrafted Word. Receive the ingrafted word which is able to save your souls. That's not getting born again. Save is sozo. It's able to bring your soul into a realm, really, of heaven on earth. The Word of God is able to bring your soul into a realm, not your spirit. Your spirit was born again when you were born again. Your spirit is what was alienated and separated from the life of God. When you were born again, John 3, 3 through 5, it was your spirit that came alive. But now your soul, mind, will, emotions, reasoning, imagination, your soul is regenerated and transformed as you receive the engrafted word. That's exactly what the enemy wants to steal. That's exactly what he wants to distort. That's exactly what he wants to bring confusion about. He can steal the word. And I find one of the greatest, one of the greatest manifestations of whether or not he's stolen the word is how we talk. Facebook post this week. A lot of Facebook talk here today. Wow free advertising like they need more. This week, a friend of mine wrote on his Facebook page, born-again spirit-filled young man about 30 years old, is it normal in life for the days to only increase in difficulty? It seems each day has a heavier burden to bear with more obstacles to overcome a longer to-do list, a faster pace, more demands, and less resources. The Navy SEAL's motto is, the only easy day was yesterday. That's what the last few years, oh, even decades, feel like. Does anybody ever have an easy day? Sun up to sundown, down, an easy day. I think my last completely carefree day was sometime before kindergarten. I find myself amazed many days, especially in the last six months, that somehow the crucible of life only gets hotter. Now, here's the thing. I think he's not the only one with reflective thoughts like that. And I don't know how many friends he has, but a few of them began to comment. And here is one of the comments. Wait till you have kids. (laughs) And another comment. Welcome to my life. And so he writes another post. It's, I'm not just talking about work. The crucible of life is just that. Life. It only seems to get hotter. Does it get hotter and hotter until I'm consumed? Does it ever turn down? The other quote that comes to my mind besides the seal motto is the motto of the POW in Vietnam. The only hope of survival was to have no hope for survival. By the way, after his first post, I, I wrote, and I don't know if any of you saw my post, But I wrote, maybe you should scrap the Navy SEAL motto. Now, why would I say maybe you should scrap the Navy SEAL motto? Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, not in the power of the tongue alone, like you could create something. You're not a God or a creator. Death and life are in the tongue, in that you can choose this day life or you can choose death. So choose life this day. How do you choose life? You choose life by getting in agreement with God. When God has gone to all of this expense to redeem you, God has gone to all of this expense to buy you back, redeem you, and all of this trouble to open up the floodgates of restoration for you and heaven, and to restore you to a Garden of Eden kind of mindset and thus life. When God has gone to all of that and you can't agree with him, then you're stuck. Your thermostat is stuck in the zone of unbelief. And you will have what you say. You won't have what you say because you're a God. You'll have what you say because you won't agree with God who has predetermined victory for you, who has predetermined a purpose and a destiny, a calling, a fulfillment, a legacy. He has predetermined blessing for you. He wrote it in your book. He wrote it in your book. Psalm 139, remember Remember, remember he's already wrote your story in the book and the book that he wrote about you was not a story of sickness and disease and frailty and weakness and failure. The story he wrote about you was a story of destiny and blessing. It was no different than the story he wrote about King David when it says that David fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation and he did not see the grave until he finished his assignment. And even as Paul said, I must finish my assignment. You've got an assignment. Even as he said over Jeremiah, before I knew you, I called you, I set you, I declared you to be a prophet to the nations. God has something for you. God has something for you and he's woven around that something, all of the provision for it, all of the blessing for it, all of the relationships for it, all of the sustenance for it, everything that it will take to sustain it is already predetermined in you. You are his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he preordained that you would walk in. He preordained good things for you to walk in. You know, we wake up in the morning begging God to do something good instead of just asking him what good we should get in line with. He already preordained a bunch of good for your every single day. But we miss it because we won't agree with it. We miss it because we won't declare it. We miss it because we won't line up with it. We miss it because we're afraid of the cup of drinking it. What if his will is the greatest thing that could ever happen in your life? See, there's part of Satan's deception, isn't it? Part of Satan's deception is yielding to the will of God will ruin your future, ruin your fun, ruin your finances. You're going to be a millionaire. Listen to me. You're going to be a millionaire. Don't work with that God guy. What are you thinking? I'm going to make you a millionaire. No, a miserere. A miserere is coming your way because he who chases wealth will find that it makes wings and runs away quickly. No, chase your purpose, chase your destiny, chase what God's carved out for you, chase what God has ordained for you, and watch him bless you. Let's read about Joseph a little bit more this morning. That's why I say this is so much, uh, these thoughts are so much like those reigning in life thoughts because when I was thinking about all of that stuff, I was thinking about that coat of many colors and that favor that was on Joseph, and it's the same favor that he's put on every believer in Jesus. You are highly favored. Highly favored. Whoo! I wish you'd look at me like you believe it. Genesis 39.1. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar. This is after he was sold by his own brothers. The theme of all of this doesn't mean you'll never go through hard times. Don't look at them. Don't be overcome by it. Don't don't get into agreement with it. Oh, no, I'm just going to yield to this. God's going to use it for his glory. There's a twisting of theology, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. You know, God's in control of everything. Really? He is? Not when you talk with doubt and unbelief. He immediately loses control. He was in control. He was going to use he was going to use that pit to move you toward the palace until you started talking with unbelief. When you started talking with foolishness in your mouth, no longer could he use the pit to move you toward the palace. He's moving you instead toward the Pierce County dump site. I don't know. I needed a pee. so he's sold as a slave by his own brothers he's taken down to Egypt and they sell him now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar an Egyptian officer of the Pharaoh the captain of the bodyguard bought him from the Ishmaelites and had taken him down there who had taken him down there the Lord was with Joseph what? the Lord was with Joseph the Lord is with you do you wake up every morning saying, The Lord is with me? Come on, we ought to. Wake up every morning if the Lord is with you. This is Romans 8. If the Lord be for you, who could be against you? What in the world could happen to you if the Lord is with you? The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. Oh, that's not biblical. I'm sorry shouldn't be reading that. Uh, That doesn't belong in church. Um, The Lord was with Joseph, so he became kind of a wormy fellow. What's the word say? You've got it on the screen. Three of you can read. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him. And how the Lord, that's interesting, even the master saw how the Lord was with him. And how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. This guy was not a believer in Jehovah, but he saw something. So Joseph found favor in his sight, became his personal servant, made him overseer of his house. All that he owned was put in his charge. So this this is an amazing thing it says all the way down to verse 6 that Potiphar did not concern himself about anything from then on except the food that he ate. Yes, I would like that medium well, please. Thank you. A little more Johnny's on this potato, please. All right. Moving down to verse 6, uh, we see trouble comes. Now, he He went through trouble and he made it through that trouble. I'm thinking that Joseph went through the same stuff you and I go through and that I'm sure there were whisperings out of the demonic realm. I'm sure there were temptations uh, uh, to, to wonder about that dream and that word and that calling from God. God has a calling for you. He had received a dream, a vision, a calling. He had received a word from God about his life. You do. You have too. Uh, The first one is you're a Christian. So you're anointed of God, called of God, to bear witness of the Christ. You're a Christian. That's the first one. And then you've received potentially other revelations from God about how that's going to be fleshed out in day-to-day living. Vocation, ministry, gifting, expressions, And I'm sure that in the midst of all of this, when all of this is like sabotaged and bottlenecked and messed up, he's got all sorts of opportunity to be thinking negative thoughts and to be saying negative things. We're not told that he does. He's handsome in appearance, going down to verse 6, and it came about after these events that the master's wife looked with desire at Joseph... Of course, maybe Potiphar was never home. He was out running around his Ferrari. She says, lie with me. So the King James might be a little wild here. I'm guessing that there was kind of a buildup of flirtatiousness. I don't think the first thing, time that she saw this handsome thing, uh, she said this. But there's a building up of a flirtatious relationship, and the enemy, again, is trying to sabotage his destiny, his future, and his success. But he refused and said to the master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he's put all that he belongs in my charge. So there's, there's conversation, and he's reasoning with her. But as she spoke to Joseph, verse 10, day after day, the flirtatiousness continued. He would not listen to her or lie beside her or be with her. But then it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work. None of the men of the household was there. And she caught him by his garment and said, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand. And you know this is where the accusation came. Jumping down to verse 19, when the master heard the lies that she brought about what the slave did, his anger burned, and so Joseph's master had him put into jail. The place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in jail. But the Lord was with Joseph. What? The Lord. The the setback was a set up. The problem was the key to promotion. Don't you forget that. Don't you forget that. Don't you forget that. This is not trite talk, this is not foolishness, this is not preacherism, this is not jesting, this is not biblical folly, this is God's way if you'll continue to live with your heart set on his purpose and his destiny and his calling for you, then the Lord will be with you no matter where you find yourself. Will you agree with that? This is such a key. It's such a key that you agree with it because the moment you begin to disagree, you begin to move into the realm of unbelief. The moment you begin to move into the realm of unbelief, you open up Pandora's box of Galatians chapter 5, the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are turbocharged in the realm of unbelief because it's there that you begin to move into envy and jealousy and anger and revenge it's there that you begin to move into doing it your way because you've moved away from faith and you've moved into unbelief. And unbelief automatically begins to produce the carnal realm because you still have within you the cry and the desire to do something and to, and to make a mark and to do something for God and to do something great. But now you have to do it your way. the works of the flesh don't produce the results you desire the pride the rebellion the control it doesn't produce the works that you, it doesn't produce the fruit you desire so it makes way for additional works of the flesh depression sorrow discouragement self-pity and addictive medication You know why we medicate? Because we hurt. You know why we hurt? Because it's not coming to pass. You know why it's not coming to pass? Because we stopped believing. Why did we stop believing? Because there was a delay. We were tested in a delay. And in the test of a delay, we listened to the voice of maybe it's not that way. Maybe that wasn't really a dream. Maybe that dream wasn't from God. Maybe that word was. Maybe that. Maybe God didn't mean. Maybe. Have you heard this theology over here? Have you heard? Uh, there's other. Vo- uh, you know what? Be careful. I, I a second voice, a confusing question, leading to unbelief in the midst of delay in the midst of delay. Hold fast your confidence in God's Word. This is Paul writing to the Hebrews, for it has a great recompense of reward. I love Psalm 40. You hear me quote it often. <laughs> I waited patiently. I waited. I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited. Everybody say, waited. We have to give God something to work with. The economy of heaven is faith. The economy of heaven is faith. The expression of faith is the way we talk, it's our words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. We have to give the economy of heaven something to work with. Go over to Matthew 16, 19. They ask Jesus who he is. Everyone's wondering who he is. They're not sure who he is. And so Jesus asks Simon, who do you say that I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, flesh and blood didn't reveal to you, but my father revealed that to you. And I say unto you, Simon, that you are Peter. And on this rock of revelation that I am the Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Is this the keys to the kingdom of heaven in the sweet by and by? Is this the keys to the kingdom of heaven after the rapture? Is this the keys to the kingdom of heaven when you're dead? Because everyone knows how important that is. Or is this the keys to the kingdom? Is he talking about giving them the keys to the kingdom now? I will give these to you now now. Now I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Because he's the one that had said to them when they said, how should we pray? In Matthew 6, 9 through 11, they said, Lord, you pray differently. We're watching you pray and you pray with authority. How should we pray? And he said, pray this way. Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. There's a consuming thrust in God and in Jesus that the kingdom of heaven would come to earth. Earth, when it started, was a picture of heaven. The mountain in Eden was a picture of heaven. The garden was a picture of heaven. Everything in that garden was a replica of that which already existed in heaven. Why? And we were a replica of those who were in heaven. In our image and in our likeness, we will make them male and female. Ever since then, God's been trying to get... Not us to heaven, but heaven back to earth. So he says, do you see me walking around manifesting heaven? Guess what? I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind shall be bound. And whatsoever you loose shall be loosed. How do you bind and how do you loose? But where does it start? You've heard me talk about it before. You have to look at the tense of the Greek in this particular phrase. It's much like we might say the Spanish. It's different than the English And so it's hard for us to understand. When we read this, some theologians say, oh, now you're acting like God, like you can bind something and lose something. Who are you that you can do anything? We aren't little gods. We aren't demigods. This is not good theology. Don't act like this. This is foolishness. You're not in charge of anything. So we have to look at the tense of the Greek of this passage in Matthew 16. Here's what it says. Whatsoever is bound in heaven, if you will bind it on the earth, it shall be bound. Well, guess who was bound in heaven? Satan, who had access through Adam's fall. Satan, who had access to accuse man, who had access to attack man, who would go to and from into the heavens. Satan, who had access because of his authority over man. And we read about it clearly in Job. We read about it in Revelation. We're in Revelation. After the ascension of Jesus, the perfect man, the last Adam, there's a war in heaven and Satan is cast out of heaven. Why was he cast out? Because Jesus, the last Adam, the perfect man, came with authority over him. Whatsoever is bound in heaven. There's no representation of authority over man in heaven any longer, No, nor should there be in earth or in your life. Whatsoever is bound, if you will bind it on the earth, it shall be bound. Whatsoever is loosed concerning man. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the perfect man, the ascendant man. Jesus is the last Adam. Jesus ever lives to represent us in his manhood, not just in his godhood. He represents us as a high priest and an intercessor in his manhood. And what's been loosed? Every blessing has been loosed to Jesus. Every blessing, all healing, all, every promise has been loosed and given to Jesus of whom you are hidden in. So whatever's been loosed in heaven with regard to the perfect man, if you'll loose it on the earth, it shall be loosed. How do you loose stuff? Oh, it's not just in your prayer time. It's the way you talk. It's even what you put on Facebook. It's even what you put on Facebook. That's why I say every, every motto that contradicts Jesus, if it contradicts Jesus, if Jesus wouldn't say it, Oh, every day is just harder and harder. Every day is hard. Will there ever be a good day? Will there ever be a blessed day? Will I ever see the goodness of God in the land of the living? If Jesus wouldn't say it, don't you say it. Maybe what kept Jesus out of sin is he never walked in unbelief because the most important sin is the sin of unbelief. And unbelief is the foundation of all sin. Because out of unbelief springs up the striving of carnality and the striving of works and the striving of the flesh. But in the seedbed of faith, faith in God, there comes rest. Because I know as I agree with Him, every need is met. Every blessing comes. Every word is fulfilled. He has me covered on all sides, and my future is already settled. Come on, stand with me this morning. Are you hearing me this morning? You wonder, was Joseph right on? Did we even talk this morning? We both wore button-up shirts. We didn't know that. We both wore shoes. We didn't know that. We both wore jeans. We didn't even talk. But then he comes up and he starts talking about courage. You know where courage will be manifested? In your Facebook and in your mouth. And the Lord gave me Joshua 1 for you today. So without talking, the Holy Spirit was talking to us that you leave here with the spirit of courage this morning that you leave here with the spirit of courage this morning. And he says to Joshua, he says some interesting things to Joshua, and he says it to you, the believer. He says it to you, the Christian. He says it to you, the born again. He says it to you, the anointed. He says it to you, the set-apart ones. He says it to you, the ones who are destined to reign. He says it to you out of Joshua 1 today. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, this will be your territory. God's carved out a territory for you, the believer. He has carved out a specific territory for you because he knows your name and he's marked it out for you according to your name and he's dec- he's decreed he's predetermined that it's yours no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life as it pertains to that territory just as i've been with moses i'll be with you i will not fail you or forsake you i will not fail you or forsake you but there is this partnership there's this partnership we see with jesus matthew 26 We see this partnership with Jesus as well. Each of the Gospels talk about it where he takes the cup and he says, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will. Part of rising up with destiny in your heart, with reigning in your tongue, is a partnership and a cooperation with his will for your life. Where we rise up, And we actually trust him fully. Where we trust him fully and we take the cup and we say, no matter what happens today, no matter what's going, what you've called me to, no matter what you want me to do today, no matter what money you want me to give today, no matter what you want me to say today, what booklet or Bible you want me to give out today, no matter who you want me to lay hands on today, not my will, but yours be done. There has to be that which was in Joseph. We see it in Joseph. We see it in Joshua. And this is part of what God is saying to Joshua. When he sets him apart to lead the people, I will be with you, I'll not fail you, I'll not forsake you, but be strong and courageous. For you will lead these people, you'll give them possession of the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. But be strong and very courageous. Do all the according to the law. Which Moses, my servant, commanded you do not turn from it to the left or to the right that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, don't say anything but what's in this book. Don't say anything but what's in this book. and meditate on it day and night. Meditate, meditate, meditate on it day and night that you will be careful to do all that is written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous and successful. The holy partnership of saying yes to God and believing that when I say yes to God, It's so much bigger and better than my way. It literally opens up the heaven of the Garden of Eden in my life. It is the way of blessing. It is the way of blessing, and the Lord will be with me. I find myself in a pit, the Lord will be with me. If I find myself falsely accused, the Lord will be with me. If I find myself in a prison, the Lord will be with me. You read on in Genesis 39, it says the Lord was with Joseph and made him to be the head of the whole prison. No matter where you find yourself, the Lord will be with you if you'll agree with him. Agree. 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 Not just a prayer of agreement. Binding and loosing is not just some prayer. It is the way you talk every moment. Oh, please don't be religious and spiritual and bind and loosen your prayer closet and then walk out and undo everything you just did. You've got to weave it into your conversation, you've got to weave it into everything that you do, you've got to weave it into your Facebook. Why? Because you believe and you will not be deceived. You will not be confused. You will not listen to the serpent's voice. Let's worship as we go. I want you to just soak it in, soak it in, soak it in. Say strong and courageous. He makes me strong and courageous. This is how you turn Jesus loose. This is how you turn Jesus loose. You want to turn Jesus loose to be your David, to be your Joshua, to be your captain of salvation, to be your breakthrough, to be your victor, to be your devil-stomping God? The way you turn him loose is you agree with him. When you agree that he is, that he is your breakthrough, he is your provider, he is your deliverer, You're turning him loose and a host of his angelic warriors. Father, we receive this. Come on, say it with me. I receive this word today. I receive this word today. I receive courage to stand. I receive stability to endure. I receive stability in the midst of contradiction. I receive your word is true. I look at your word and not at circumstance. And I know you're faithful. And I trust you with all of my heart. I knit myself to your will. Whatever it is, I say yes to it. I'll drink the cup of your will. Knowing you will raise me up. You will bless me. There's no higher place than to kneel at your feet and to say yes to you. In Jesus' name, let's worship as we go this morning.